folks. Welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome, everyone. Hey, hey um, let me ask you something. You you have done a, and, and said a few things even on our podcast, um, done some research about the business practices of Walmart. Yeah. Especially as it regards to manipulating suppliers and shipping stuff overseas. I think they have some bad practices. I don't know if practices is right, but they don't treat employees well. Right. What are some of those things? I I mean, I don't even consider too much about employees. I do know that their employees don't get paid a whole lot. They get paid the way most uh, employees who could be easily replaced get paid. You know what I mean? And I do know that in some areas, part of the employment includes um, help with applying for government aid. So that's part of their – it's like like we're going to help you get welfare because we're not going to pay you enough. We're going to hire you and help you be a leech on the system. Or get uh, government health care, things like that. And it's like, well – I mean, if you're that big of an employee, why don't you just offer it? Why are you doing that? Why why don't why do your employees need government welfare? I'll tell you this: walk into your any Walmart store. I don't care where it is, and look at the employees and tell me if any of them are happy. No, they're none of they're them. pretending <laughs> because they have to be you know smile and greet and whatever, but they're all miserable and they take their time yeah. and they don't. But that's be there. <clears throat> that's just the employees. Yeah. They treat their suppliers. Pretty bad yeah, too, right? it's even worse. They come to someone and, and they start off. They say, "Hey, we want to sell your product." And, oh, great! Well, we're going to order a lot, and they force the supply the vendor to the manufacturer to make enough of the product right. to fill the stores, and they to where they have to open up factories, so they have to hire more people, stuff like that, and then so now they've got a huge investment. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we just, in, you know, invested and, you know, it's, if, if I make, uh, I don't know, lighters, if I'm Bic and I make lighters, it's not like it's just me making the lighters. I've got my investors and I've got people I employ now and all my managers. I've got a whole share system around this company that makes lighters. And suddenly Walmart says, uh, we think we're paying too much. We're going to lower what we will pay you. And you're like, well, you know, it, you can either say okay and make less money, which your investors aren't going to be happy with. Or you might have to end up laying people off. I mean, you might not be able to even survive in your current yeah. business model. Yeah, but they don't leave it at that. They keep pushing and they say, well, we have a way for you to do this. It's going to require you taking uh all those families that you were feeding, you're not going to feed them anymore. You're going to feed someone in Mexico for much, much less money. And you're, and that's what they do. And they, they create a system where the companies rely on their business. And in order to keep their business, they have to manufacture overseas or lose the business lose a giant chunk of money, which their investors are not going to vote for, or uh, take it, you know, 
And when you got shareholders who were suddenly making a bunch of money, they're not going to, they're not going to vote to drop Walmart, you know? So yeah. then, so on the one hand, they're sending, they're, they're creating situations that force their vendors to send money overseas out of America. And then they take their employees and teach them how to leech money from the American system through government welfare. Yeah. And so, so the, the upshot of all this, what, what we can conclude is that we should all go shop at Walmart. Why is that? Well, it just seems that all of these things point to that as a conclusion. At least. If you hate America. I think that's, I think that's the way Pope Francis's logic appears to work. Oh. When I read Desiderio Desideravi. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can kind of see that direction. You know, it's funny that you brought this up because, you know, if anyone mentions Walmart, I get started on them. And, you know, I say they drove American jobs overseas or they they put Americans out of work. Automatically, people think of the mom and pop shops that shut down because of Walmart. And that is oh right. That is never what I talked about. What I'm talking about. I'm talking about something. That's, that's not. Yeah, that doesn't. That's not even ever part of the argument. And, uh, or part of the uh, the the picture when you you lay into it. Like yeah, that. but la- a couple weeks well, ago, calculated. A couple weeks ago, we were supposed to record, and I said, "Hey, I've got a I've got a visitor here. I, I just can't record tonight." Um, mm-hmm. The guy that was there, he's, he's a pretty, he's a very smart guy. Um, but he's very down to earth. And yet when I mentioned Walmart and driving jobs down, he automatically knew exactly what I was talking about. And that's rare. Most people don't know what I'm talking about hmm. when I say that. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So Desiderio. <laughs> so the thing is, yeah. Desideravi. We, which we've tried to Desiderio Desideravi. Yeah, we tried a, to translate yeah, a, it last week, um, and I don't know. I wasn't on. I was unhappy it, with that because I don't. I don't know if there's a way to translate this. No, I. I think. I mean, it, it is the Latin of the the Vulgate um, for that part of the the Bible, but I think it's in terms of translation. I think it's a Latin idiom. Okay, so. I guess we can call it... Desideravi is, I have desired, and Desiderio is a desire. It's like, I have desired the desire of eating this meal with you yeah. before I suffer. That, that's, And I think that's where the title comes from. Okay, well, why don't we call it uh, Earnest Desire? How about that? Earnest Desire? I earnest, <laughs> okay. earnest... I have earnestly desired. I have earnestly desired because that's what it's supposed to be. That's what the, uh, I guess that's what the Douay Reims has in that passage there. Something like mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah, the English. Uh... But we started talking about it, but seriously, we read like, what, less than 20 paragraphs. And even then we were skimming, because we didn't really know what the yeah. point of this art- of this letter was. Um, and then after recording, we both, looked more into it and thought, this is kind of serious. This is his defense of that terrible, terrible motu proprio traditionis custodis. And, um, you know, you went ahead and pretty much dissected this thing. 
which I got I got about a third of the way through it. But I think we're we're going to do a whole series just on this document because we've never done that before. We've never gone through one of Pope Francis's yeah. entire. We we usually start talking about it and we say you know there's a lot of drivel in here and then we leave it at that. But for heaven's sakes, this is our Pope, and there is you know <laughs> there is a lot of drivel in here. But let's just go through one of these things. It's it's uh, it's long enough to be a project, but short enough not to be impossible. So I think we're going to start right. at beginning again, and we're going to go through this terrible, terrible document that our Pope has published. But first of all, this is not. But this is not teaching. Go ahead. Right. This oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah. No, this he even says this just. You know, he's just putting this out there as, as, uh, how does he word it? So, something about, you know, starting points for reflection. Yeah. And he's got a lot of starting points here. It's just that I, I don't understand how he writes this and says, um, here's a defense of what I did because it's not a defense of what he did. It's a, it's a defense exactly. of it, I mean, the TLM. This, <clears throat> yeah. It's like he, he writes a bunch of stuff and then he, he gets to the end and he says, for this reason, I wrote Traditionis Custodis so that the church may lift up in the variety of so many languages, one in the same prayer capable of expressing her unity. And it's like, I mean, Did you- if, when you read the document and then get to that line, you feel like somebody just handed you an argument for supporting Walmart that was exactly what Eric just ran through. Yeah, yeah, it feels that way because it's That's, so it's so silly to to think that this is where you, it would lead you. It if you follow most of his logic in here, although he's got some he's got some serious things in here that are just flat out wrong. But yeah, most of it is right. And if you the logical conclusion of this is yeah, we should just go back to the TLM or. Do a reform that is actually follows um, the yeah the, the Vatican the, document because yeah, because he document. doesn't or they didn't when they quote reformed the mass which I, doesn't mm-hmm. need to be reformed it's the mass how do you need to reform the mass <laughs> it's it was perfect it's it's the most perfect part of the um, of all the rites. That were handed to us, you know, of all the mm-hmm. of all these things that were handed down to us, that uh, both symbolize something and actually is something. Did something? Yeah, it is something. That's which the mass was the most perfectly constructed among them. Yeah, and it was like, wh- why would you? Why would you change this? It makes no sense. Okay, well let's we'll get into it. Let's start. Um, I guess with paragraph three, that's the first one you've got a note on here. Mm-hmm. And he starts right. off just saying, he, he starts off with a general introduction and, and tells you kind of why he's writing what he wrote, but yeah. it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense at first. Um, but in paragraph three, um, he's talking about when Peter and John were sent to make the, the preparations for the Passover. And he says, but in actual fact, all of creation, all of history 
which at last was on the verge of revealing itself as the history of salvation, was a huge preparation for that supper. Yeah. And there is a manner in which you could interpret the second, the, 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 the main phrase that all of history was a preparation for that supper. If you identify the last supper as the central point in history, in, in material history, and, and it would not be, it would not be completely wrong to do so, but this idea that hit, that creation is revealing itself as a preparation that to, to me at least seems completely wrong and creation doesn't reveal itself at all in fact the very beginning of the gospel of john tells us that he referring to the light was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world knew him not i mean he goes through yeah. at the beginning talking about how the word was god and was with god and were, the word was the light you know, through which the world was created, but the world did not comprehend the light. That's the, the word comprehend is used in, in another translation. So to say that history was revealing itself at this moment just kind of gets it wrong. Yeah. It, you know, God is, is, this is a manifestation of the kingdom. Uh, history is running amok and God is conquering as the king, you know, when we pray the Our Father, thy kingdom come, that's what this is. The kingship of God and Christ over this creation, which has tried to uh, hide the light through its darkness. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't know. I I feel like he's just trying to be deep. And I don't... Flowery? Yeah. And it's, it's really not deep. Yeah. It's, I mean... He's trying to add words where you really don't need words anyway, yeah. but yeah, he's trying to lead into something. Okay. But then he says, uh, he talks about it being, uh, he says it's oh, yeah. a necessary it, gift because he says. He's a, talking about the presence of the apostles is necessary. Even though they were unaware of what was going on, they're necessary because to be a gift, a gift has to have someone disposed to receive it. I don't know whether I agree in that explicit statement, uh, whether you have to be disposed to receive a gift in order for it to be a gift, maybe that's part of the definition of gift. But to the extent that it is true, here's the thing. There's two things that, you know, two kind of observations we can draw about it. One, just more generally, is when we refer to the mass as a gift, if we talk about disposition, we see here that this brings in this idea of the absolute necessity of baptism. Uh, Without baptism, you don't get into the life of grace, and having that grace is necessary to being disposed to receive the gift that we receive at the Mass. Which Paul the Apostle was clear on. You have to be yeah. in a state of grace, which means you have to you have, have been to baptized. Have grace. In order Otherwise, to... you eat and drink condemnation on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But but more closely, though, if this is true, then it seems to me that the manner in which we conduct Mass needs to be something that guides us into that disposition. Something that tells us, hey, you're receiving a gift of great value here. Yeah. That makes it about the gift. And and not about ourselves or about each other or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, not about dancing around or or 
uh, putting on a show. Yeah. It, uh, preaching. I mean, this is a gift. Aside from the grace, if we want to talk about, I don't know what, mental or, or spiritual or prayerful disposition, what we would desire as the, the height of that disposition would be to enter some kind of, of state of contemplation of what we're receiving. Which, um, and so the mass ought to be something that, that at least for that half hour to an hour leads us as closely there as we can get. Which I can't see any better than the word, the, the word spoken at the foot of the altar. The opening prayers yeah. of the Mass really put prayers you there. Prayers at the foot of the altar, the, the uh, Psalm uh, 42, I think it yeah. is. Yeah, doing away with I'm, that was like, all by itself, like, obliterated this this idea of being disposed to receive this gift. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I read those words, I thought, wow, I had never been to a, a Latin Mass, and I'm reading this, and I'm thinking... This is something really serious, whereas the things I've been going to are, I don't know, they just seem like nonsense. It just seems like something old ladies did, <laughs> you know? And here, yeah. we're at the foot of the altar reading this, not we, but um, you can see what's going on here. And oftentimes, you know, at a high mass, you've got uh, chanting going on or singing in the background, Uh to kind of, even if you don't know the Latin, it's setting the mood. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just the, that contemplation, I don't, it seems like the very start of it was taken away from us. If, when I go to Mass now, I just, I bring my little red, uh, missile with me and I read those words because that's the best way mm-hmm. to start Mass. Yeah. Even if you go to a Novus Ordo Mass, yeah. it's worth doing that. Yeah. That's how you become disposed to receive the gift. Right. So in All right. paragraph four. Um, yeah, he gets weird with this kinda, one. This is where he gets to his universalism or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and, and this is this is one of those spots that's just plain out wrong. Um, mm-hmm. He says... He adds to scripture in order to try to make the point. Yeah, and it's weird because that's not what the scripture says. He said, nevertheless... His infinite desire to reestablish that communion with us that was and remains his original design will not be satisfied until every man, woman, every man and woman from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation shall have eaten his body and drunk his blood. And he, he references Revelations 5 9, which it doesn't say anything of the sort. Well, I guess it does kind of. Um, I had that written down last. It's about the multitude yeah. having people from every uh, every nation. Where is it? I had that written down. But it's certainly not every person. Yeah, it just says... Not every man and woman. Men and <clears throat> men from every tribe. That doesn't mean all the men from every yeah. tribe. It just means men or, you know what... Let me uh, let me actually read it. And I'm going to be reading. Why don't I read Douay Reims? And they sung a new canticle, saying, "Thou art worthy, O Lord, to take the book and to open the seals thereof, because thou wast slain, 
and hast redeemed us to God in thy blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So something out of those tribes, not everyone out of those tribes, mm-hmm. not the tribe itself, but out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Uh, and aside from that, there's all kinds of, there, there, it, there's mistakes everywhere there. I mean, yeah, well, and, you know, aside Jesus himself, okay, that's revelation, but Jesus himself, uh, in the parable about the, um, you know, the, the enemy who sows the weeds. Yeah. He says the weeds are going to be pulled up. Those who serve the evil one, who, who serve the enemy are going to be, um, pulled up and gathered into bundles and thrown into the fire and burned. And then at the, at this very same last supper, um, right after the supper in his discourse to the, um, uh, apostles, this is John, uh, 15. He says, I am the true vine and it is my father who tends it. The branch that yields no fruit in me, he cuts away the branch that does yield fruit. He trims, trims clean so that it yield more. Uh, you, through the message I have preached to you, are clean already. You have only to live on me, I will live on you. The branch that does not live on in the vine can yield no fruit of itself. No more can you if you do not live on in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man lives on in me and I in him, then he will yield abundant fruit. Separated from me, you have no power to do anything. If a man does not live on in me, he can only be like the branch that is cast off and withers away. Such a branch is picked up and thrown into the fire. This doesn't seem, this doesn't come across as a hypothetical alternative to life in Christ. This comes across as a real dichotomy, a real distinction of those in the world who live in Christ versus those who do not. Yeah. He's, this and, is and a separation there's plenty of here. other places where Jesus clearly says there are those who are not going to be part of part of this communion with me. Yeah, so the the whole it, it just it, it it it's dumb to say it that way. I mean, the, it's just not true. You know? Um will not be satisfied until every man and woman I don't know I guess Shall okay, it, I guess yeah, you could I, say his how does that infinite desire <laughs> to reestablish that communion remains his original design. So the design will not be satisfied until every man, woman, and child uh, eat his body. Shall have eaten his body and drunk his blood. I, I he, He's got to be just... He did design us he's gotta for be, happiness, and that only uh, happens in him. But... Um, you know, on the one hand... If you wouldn't call that his infinite desire. If it was his infinite desire, he would accomplish it. But this will never be accomplished. And he makes that clear. Jesus does. Infinite desire to reestablish his last supper with us. But it's it's like, okay, he either his design is not going to be fulfilled because not every man or woman and woman is gonna eat his body and drink his blood. Or this is just another example of the Pope rambling without actually knowing what he's saying yeah yeah i think the Which, latter I, <laughs> more of that maybe than than we would want to admit of a pope yeah okay well in the next paragraph um he 
says something that you wouldn't ex- again you wouldn't expect Pope Francis to say. We must not allow ourselves mm-hmm. even a moment of rest, knowing that still not everyone has received the invitation to this supper, or knowing that others have forgotten it or have got lost along the way with the twists and turns of human living. I okay. Doesn't that I'll give sound you that. like a, an urgent call to evangelization and proselytizing? The, the very thing that he condemns in other places? Yeah, I mean, that's like, hey, you got to tell... Here's the problem with it, though. It's like... Um, it's like this is the only time he thinks you should evangelize, maybe, in order to invite people to the supper. But that's not... That's not the point of evangelism. You know what? We go over that later in another spot, so I'll stop on that. But the fact is... He discourages evangelization, and his bishops brag about never having baptized anyone. Well, they- yeah, that one bishop from the Amazon. What would he say? Like in fifty years, he hadn't baptized anyone. A single something person like that. in the Amazon, a completely pagan society, and he's never baptized anyone. Well, that's. I mean the the only reason that evangelization is urgent is that Jesus is the only way to salvation. The alternative to Christ is hell, period. That's why we evangelize. I mean, there's a deeper way we evangelize because it's what God wants, you know, because it serves the the glory and purpose of the Father and so on and so forth. But in reference to those who were evangelizing, we do it because if they don't come to Christ, they go to hell. Yeah. I I think about this way. It's like... um... I have uh, I have food here, and there are some people who are eating the food because it tastes good and they enjoy the taste. But there's a group of people who are actually starving. Doesn't it make sense mm-hmm. more that I should focus on those people first because they're starving and I don't want them to starve? Isn't that really the isn't that the charitable end of what I'm doing? Forget about the fact that they like the taste of it. They're not going to starve because I'm giving them food. If if we're evangelizing just to get people to the supper, that's just kind of silly. we got to start with the fact that they're going to spend all eternity in misery. And we don't want that. We want them yeah. to go to heaven. They're going to die if we don't get them food. That's why we do it. Yeah. So this language like that just... It's just... Yeah, he's right. But this is not... Francis, this is not the kind of thing that he wants. If his actions do not tell us that this is what he wants, he's just writing it down. Not only his actions, but he's expressed contrary desires in other uh, places. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want us evangelizing, proselytizing. He doesn't want that. He says it. So why is he writing this? Unless he didn't write it, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the. I, I keep. That keeps tugging at the back of my mind. Is, did somebody ghostwrite this? I imagine someone had to have. And he is... He's not smart enough to figure out that these are actually arguments against what he's done. And what he's been doing his entire oh, right. pontificate. And what he has condemned in his pontificate. Let's see, in this... Uh, where are we? We're in the same paragraph here. Same paragraph. Uh, Yeah. He says uh, language structures can be suitable. He he talks about this 
I don't know. I dream of a missionary option. And that's a weird word coming from him because, you know, again, he has this giant uh, Amazon synod where it seems like they're evangelizing us. anti-missionary. Yeah, I I mean, they're bringing their false gods into our church. They brought false gods into the Vatican. That's the exact opposite of evangelization and that's the and, and, and mission danced work. Before it. Yeah, and danced and, and worshiped. This is sick. Uh, but he talks about this option he wants where the schedules and language and structures can be, of the church can be suitably channeled for the evangelization of today's world rather than for her, her as in the church's self-preservation. That to me is a weird and nonsensical, you know, duality or whatever to to split it up in those into those two options. It's like we're going to evangelize instead of of exist. Like you wouldn't do both. It's exactly in order to preserve life by abiding in Christ that the that the church does exist and evangelizes. You know, evangelization is an is think of it this way. Evangelization is a mechanism, not an end game. What's the end game? The end game is eternal life in Christ. Evangelization is just how we draw people to that. We don't evangelize people into evangelization. We don't evangelize them so that they can evangelize. We evangelize them so that they can have eternal life with Christ. Yeah. So that center point that eternal life with christ that preservation of our reality in christ himself that has to come first otherwise there's no point to the evangelization yeah there, there is and it can't be a rather than that that's what's weird about this is the way he says uh rather channel yeah. for the evangelization rather than self-preservation that's such a weird way of stating it yeah um he wants to do this so that all can be seated at the supper of the sacrifice of the lamb and live from him. But I don't, um, so yeah. changing everything in the church will make it so that everybody can be seated at the supper. Uh, but well, think the, the way I think of it is, um, yes, that is the end game is, is everybody being at the, you know, cause the, the wedding supper of the lamb ultimately is what heaven is that's that's the that's the feast in the parable that jesus told and in you know right here on earth it's the mass through which we experience that but ultimately that's what heaven is heaven is one ongoing mass okay and and getting as many people to that is our goal that's what the evangelization is for and that's that's why like in practically the same sentence, he says something absolutely nonsensical and absolutely correct. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but... But the thing is, we don't just want to give it out to everyone. Because uh, eating the supper here doesn't no, mean you're no. going to They've gotta do it in eternity. They've got to be garmented for it. Yeah. It's like Jesus, you know, he said that the man who showed up without the proper wedding garment... Was thrown out. Yeah, and just like Saint Paul says, if if you eat the 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 body of Christ and drink His blood without grace, um, you're uh, you're going to be condemned. 
Um, you're actually condemning yourself by doing that. We don't. But but the other thing is is this: the supper, the mass, the mass is the supper, and it is a it's a a whole different thing than anything else in this world. The the goal isn't to gather people together for the sake of being together at a meal. The goal is to to call people to oneness in Christ through the mass. But if the mass doesn't look like that reality, if the mass doesn't doesn't proclaim its um its the, the fact that it is otherworldly, if the mass just feels like going to dinner at a friend's house, then how on earth are you going to evangelize people to it? Why should people go to that particular dinner? Hey, come to my house for dinner. Everybody. I want everybody at my house. Why? What are you going to have that's special? Fried chicken. I can get fried chicken down the street. It's like that. Yeah. You know, what's the point if the mass itself doesn't proclaim its own transcendence in how it's done? Yeah. Which which is what the Tridentine Mass does. And, you know, uh, it's and not... the new Mass fails abjectly to do The it. Mass itself is not a tool... Of evangelizing, that's no, not, it's the end. The end goal. Yeah, we gotta we gotta be part of the church first. Then we get to the mass, and we get that that reward of attending the supper. There, there are like through history, and and I've met maybe one or two people who somehow coming from a non Christian background, like are like somehow illuminated. By the Holy Spirit, or enlightened by the Holy Spirit directly, oh, yeah. to see the value in the Mass when they encounter a Mass. That is so rare. For the most part, you can't even make sense of the Mass until you've been properly catechized into the faith. Right, yeah. Well, we go to. And the Mass should be like that. Yeah, there's no reason to try to make it more inviting because it's not there to mm-hmm. invite people. It's again. That's the end game for, for that manifestation is what we are trying to achieve. Not inviting people to the uh, manifestation, but to take part in it. And it's you. You just can't see it as a tool to evangelize. And that was very clearly pointed out in Sacrosanctum Concilium and in the. Oh, mm-hmm. documents of Vatican II, uh, they talk about the Mass not as an evangelization tool, but a tool to feed the faithful, those who are already right. evangelized. Those who have been successfully evangelized yeah, and brought into the fold. Yeah. All right, so we've got paragraph um, seven here. Seven, yep. The content of the bread broken is the cross of Jesus. His sacrifice of obedience out of love for the Father. If we had not had the Last Supper, that is to say, if we had not had the ritual anticipation of his death, so if he had not shown us before he died uh, what was what the point of it was, we would have what it was all about. Yeah, we would have never been able to grasp how the carrying out of this being condemned to death could have been. <clears throat> In fact, the act of perfect worship, pleasing to the Father, the only true act of worship, the only true liturgy. That seems to make sense. This this line, this sentence or a couple of sentences 
really underscores the reality that while the form of the mass, the 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 thing that it looks like, uh, resembles a meal. That there's a thing that we all eat. Okay, in that sense, it resembles a meal. But that is for our sake that it resembles a meal. The substance of the mass, and and it says it right here beautifully. Well, actually, a little bit awkwardly. Yeah. But the substance of the mass is the offering of the son to the father, his sacrificial offering of himself to the father. That's the substance of the mass. And the nature of the mass, the thing that it does, and something's nature is what it does, is to draw us into that sacrifice of the son to the father. That's what it's all about. So the point that I'm making here is that having said this, you would think Pope Francis realizes that we should never allow the sacrificial nature of the Mass to become subordinate to its aspect of a meal. That, you know, we, we need to realize that its aspect of a meal is only so that we can participate, but the thing that it really is and the thing that it should look like is this offering of the Son to the Father, this sacrifice on the cross. Yeah. Um, the apostles, when they sat down to eat, maybe they thought they were sitting down to a meal, but halfway through they realized this is something very, very different, you know, because you don't do these things mm-hmm. at meal. You don't say, here, eat my body. Um, they realized that this is something big. They just didn't understand it until after the crucifixion. And they suddenly right. realized, and, and they oh. understood it fully, of course, when the when the the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, yeah. or when Jesus came but, back know, this, and broke bread with them. This highlights, oh yeah, the 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 two of them on on the road to Emmaus. But this highlights another aspect. I, I don't know if I I didn't put this into my commentary on this part, but this is why the priest's communion, because the priest acts in the person of Christ, and in that person. On our behalf and in, in the name of the congregation and actually in the name of the whole church, he offers Christ being sort of Christ to the Father and then fulfills the command, if you don't eat the, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. He receives communion. And since he's doing it on our behalf, his communion is sufficient for the life of the church generally. And then we individually get to participate in that life and in that sacrifice and in that cross by our own communion when we go up and receive communion. So the point is, the priest's communion is an essential necessary component of the Mass. Our communion is a uh, non-necessary, it's a good Thing, privilege but it's not necessary for the mass to be what it is yeah the, and to do what it does you don't have to go to communion every time you go to you only got to go once a year and um but the priest has to receive it every time he says mass it's part right. of the mass um yeah that's a good point oh let's see we get down here to the end of paragraph eight um okay Let's see, he's talking about, um, for this reason, the church has always protected its most precious treasure, the command of the Lord, do this in memory of me. Right. And I just had a quick note that 
this is also why the church has protected that act in the most prescriptive of terms. Very early on, establishing this is the manner in which that act, uh, that that act of, of transubstantiation, the declaration, this is my body, this is my blood, uh, has been uh, covered by, you know, rules and norms that have been very strict, even to the point where in the early church, if you weren't baptized yet, you didn't even get to see that part of the Mass. Yeah, it was the... You were put out. The Mass of the Faithful and the Mass of the Catechumens. Um, yeah. You didn't get to attend that part because for all the reasons you just said, uh, yeah, they were careful of it. So it's like he's right and... He just doesn't know how right he is. Says, hey, the new mass is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. This is, uh, four and uh, how many? I think it was, there's at least four that, uh, uh, how many different canon, uh, Eucharistic prayers? Yeah. They call them these days. We have like four of them. Uh, most priests say, I mean, there's four that's in every standard missile, uh, or missalette, but, but then there's more, apparently, that, can be used for various special occasions. He published this letter right after um, Nancy Pelosi goes to mass with at his mass and receives communion after publicly um, defending Roe v. Wade and and yeah. speaking against the overturn. So that's actually kind of sickening that, that yeah. the Pope would publish this letter. Talking about how the church protects as its most precious treasure. And then gives it to the this, likes of this Pelosi. Holy moment at the Mass, and then he gives communion to Nancy Pelosi. That that is just sickening That's, that he would be that two faced about it. You can't call this uh ignorance or even misunderstanding. This that is absolutely diabolical. Yeah, and she made sure that it would happen after her bishop, who has the authority to say you are not to present yourself for communion until you've publicly uh, come out against these very serious heinous sins. You know, I I wonder this pope is so bad. Like, suppose the bishop had excommunicated her just outright, issued a proclamation of excommunication, which. A bishop can do. He has the authority to do yep. that. I wonder if the Pope would even honor that, or if he would have gone ahead and given her, you know, allowed her to receive communion anyway at the Vatican. I mean, that, that's how bad this Pope is that I don't even, I don't even have confidence to be in honest. That level of his, you know, having the church's back. To be honest, the, the uh, argument could be made that she is excommunicated. Because she, yeah, there is an argument to be made abortions. there. She, she, she directly um, provides, in, in a sense, that you know, by you know, by advocating tax money for the, and stuff the like cover that, of law, yeah. the ability for women to get abortions. Yeah, and in my opinion, she is an excommunicate. I don't see how she could be anything but. But um, I don't know. It, 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 the whole thing was terrible. And then he gives us this letter, which is, uh, again, we're just trying to make sense of this. Um, yeah. We're on uh, paragraph nine. He says, from the, very, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, the church had grasped, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, 
that that which was visible in Jesus, that which could be seen with the eyes and touched with the hands, his words, his gestures, the concreteness of the incarnate word, everything of him had passed into the celebration of the sacraments. Right. Um, the, the chief of which is the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. The real presence of Christ himself. I mean, all of the other sacraments received their power to confer grace from the Holy Eucharist. You know, and... And, I mean, how can the Pope recognize something like this and yet come up with, and therefore we should, I don't know, turn it into the this 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 romper room thing that it is in the new mass. This is going to come up again later, but um, the big part about this to me is that there is, like everything in the Catholic Church, there's symbolism, but the symbolism isn't just a symbol. It's real also. And Mm, when we... When we turn, when we went with the Novus Ordo, it, it created symbolism that doesn't have substance behind it. And it eliminated the substance that was behind a lot of the symbolism. Yeah, I honestly, I mean, I almost feel like the Novus Ordo, by trying to be, you know, if you at least put your mind to, okay, let me try to understand the motive here. And try to make sense of what they've done um, in in a way that goes beyond just saying they wanted to destroy the mass. Let's assume that their intentions were good. And it looks like what they tried to do is to make visible everything that is, uh, or at least as much of possible as possible, of what is hidden in the mass. But what they ended up doing is is making a few things visible. And then getting rid of everything that's invisible, and basically in the new mass, they created this, I feel, a huge void of symbolism. Yeah. Like, like, like if you want symbolism, you don't go to the new mass, because everything that it is, is kind of right there in front yeah, of you. Yeah, it's just absent. There isn't very much there. Yeah, but in uh, the old mass, it's just every movement. One symbolizes something, but is also an actual prayer. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard one priest try to make the case that after Mass, the way everybody sits, that's actually a symbol of our conquering of death or conquering of sin. It, it was a dumb thing. And it was like, you know, you just made that up. The guy who wrote it made it up. And said it's a symbol of it. It's not really a symbol of it just because he says it symbolizes that. It, right. There's a lot of that in the Novus Ordo. And it's a shame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, and we'll, like you said, we'll touch on it later. Yeah. How that plays into some of the stuff. So we've got, uh, we're going to skip down a little to it, 11. Paragraph 11, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, liturgy guarantees for us the possibility of this encounter. He's talking about the encounter between us and Christ. Um, for us, a vague memory of the Last Supper would do no good. We need to be present at that supper to be able to hear his voice, to eat his body, to drink his blood. We need him. Yeah, I, you're You know, right. this, to me, it's like if you want to make the argument for 
saying Mass ad orientum, with the priest facing liturgical east, basically the priest facing forward along with all the people, leading the people in sacrifice to God. You know, he's the priest leading the people to Christ. He's also Christ leading the people to the Father. Yes. Um, that's why the church adopted that, precisely because of what he sees here. When we look at the priest, we don't come to Mass to hear the priest's voice, to see the priest's face. We come to Mass to hear and see Christ. And so in order for uh, for that to happen, we have to uh, veil the priest in, in a way. We allow him to act in the person of Christ, which is exactly what he does, but he symbolizes that also by turning away from us to the Father. Yeah. So we got the symbols there, but they erased the symbols. He went to the Father and gave himself to the Father. Yeah. Um, Let's see. We go down to, let's see, paragraph 12. Our first encounter with this paschal deed is the event that marks the life of all believers, our baptism. That's just, I mean, the only comment I have there is, Yeah. Why didn't you say this when that bishop was bragging about yeah. not baptizing people? Didn't you say, aren't you inviting people sake. to the supper? They got to be baptized. But you know what? This is Pope Francis admitting that you don't become a believer without baptism. Yeah. I don't know if he you knows don't that. You don't get into the life of grace that allows you to deserve, I use that word loosely here, to go to Mass and to receive Holy Communion without baptism. That's to me that's astonishing for this pope to say that because that doesn't sound like something he would say. Right. I mean, he had this chance to ask the pagans to come to our supper first by being baptized. But instead, mm-hmm. he brought their pachamama into our <laughs> right, our, into our ritual. Our, yeah. Right into uh the, the, the it was a mass. Of places of worship. Mm-hmm. That was part of a mass, and they had a false god there. And they put a false god and danced to it. You know, and then, okay, he uh, says something here that kind of... There's Elijah when you need him. Yeah. Um, Call down some fire. <laughs> you know, he talks a little bit about this, you know, the the encounter with Christ and, and the fact that, you know, our... Um, and he says it is not magic. Magic is the opposite Which of the true. logic sacraments because magic pretends to have a power over God. But I just wonder, did someone call it that? I don't know why he's saying that. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. Where does this thought come from? Is this, this is why I think he didn't write this. He just added things. I think he added that because it's, it's like, it's like one of those, you know, it's an easy argument for him. It's an easy concept for him. Because he thinks maybe, oh, right. you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not magic. And he thinks, you know, he thinks that's deep. And he thinks he has to mention it here. No one thinks it's magic. No one calls it magic. I don't think even Protestants think that we think it's magic. That it's magic. It's right. Just, right. That's that's true. That Yeah, that that is I think weird. He added that, that. That this is there and, and I think supports our theory that this was basically ghostwritten with with him kind of going through and adding some stuff. Yeah. You know, that... that so, let's imagine that ghostwriter. I think he... Is he 
putting one over on Pope Francis by basically making <laughs> the argument for the traditional mass. That's what I re- I wonder if if he's doing that or if he maybe he knows what Francis wants to say, so he starts writing and he kind of gets lost in his writing. And then he gets to the end of it, and he okay, I just wrote a bunch of truth. Now, how do I make that truth say something different? And <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> he just reaches. Here, here's like, the maybe, here's the here's know. the interesting thing about all of of that, and and you know, listeners, make up your minds as we're going through. There's, I I went and counted up, and you've got for each, I have like different colors for the that I've highlighted the. Parts that I say, I agree with this, and here's what it means, and I disagree with this. And there's like 38 things that I agree with, and maybe 20 things that I disagree with. In other words, this document of of things that are not just stupid, unremarkable filler stuff anyway, verbal vomit anyway. Like, this isn't magic. There's more that I agree with than I disagree with. So, but, but here's the thing. All the things that I do agree with are arguments in favor of the TLM. Yeah. All the things that I disagree with aren't arguments against the TLM. They're just stupid things. Yeah, they're they're schizophrenic conclusions that he reaches after making the case for the TLM. Yeah, but even, even if you just consider the things I disagree with, he doesn't end up making any case against the TLM. Yeah. That's what's weird about this thing. It's such a weird document. That's that's why I'm beginning to to like seriously wonder whether there's not a ghostwriter here who even had a little bit of a sense of humor to put one over on Pope Francis. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We're gonna skip to down to paragraph fourteen, aren't we? Fourteen. Yeah. Towards the end of paragraph fourteen, uh, for having believed in His Word and descended into the waters of baptism, we have become bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Right. And my only comment is that, again, underscores the necessity of baptism, something that I wouldn't have expected from Pope Francis. Right. Who who brags that he has never refused a person communion. (laughs) Yeah, even the unbaptized. Uh, Without this incorporation, there is no possibility of living the fullness of the worship of God. In fact, there is only one act of worship, perfect and pleasing to the Father, namely the obedience of the Son, the measure of which is death on the cross. The only possibility of being able to participate in his offering is by becoming sons of the Son. I always figured more sons like brothers. No, sons, sons in, in the, the Son. Okay, we're sons. Yeah, okay. that Right. Uh, yeah. This is the gift that we have received. The subject acting in the liturgy is always and only Christ the church, the mystical body of Christ. And actually, I, I would I would disagree a little. It's actually not just Christ's church, not just the mystical body, Christ himself. Yeah. Who, in one dimension, has this mystical body of the church that is one with him. But overall, that whole thing you quoted, it's like... Wow, that that's like so on point. Yeah. And this is why the Roman Rite, and, and even the various other rites, as they have evolved, retained the use of a common language. It's like, if you go to this rite of the Mass, maybe they use Greek. If you go to the Maronite Rite, they use Aramaic. But none of the rites of the Mass are just have just sort of generally plunged into this 
this silliness of a translation for every language. Yeah. Especially when... But it's to reflect that the Mass is one everywhere. It's that Christ is making himself an offering to the Father, and that's what the Mass is. Not us as a group of people coming together to pray about it. Especially when so many of the translations are so poor. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's a different you know, kind of problem, but yeah. I mean, even simple words like, uh, for you and for all, instead of you and for many. You and for many, that's, yep. Yeah. Okay, rolling on. Uh, paragraph 16. Um, as the general principles spelled out in the Sacrosanctum Concilium have been fundamental for the reform of the liturgy, or really, they continue to be fundamental for the promotion of that full, conscious, active, and fruitful celebration in the liturgy, the primary and indispensable source from which the faithful are to derive the true Christian spirit. You know... That's a... Go ahead. Wait a minute. We're on 16, but you have like a lighter... Uh, the lighter ones are okay so I have a comment on line 20, 20. that's it um, because which is a disagree because they have not been yeah. which is an agree because the principles spelled out in Sacrosanctum Concilium were not used for the reform of the liturgy yeah and they that's, do, that's my point that I mean this this line is not even remotely true. It's just false. It's it's nonsense. When uh, we've we've opened up that uh, um, document, and they did not follow it at all to write. They Novus ignored Order. it completely. Completely. Yeah. I mean, instead they set it aside <laughs> and said, "Let's vandalize the mass." That's what happened. You know, and uh, and you know, we should stop. I've, I've, you'll notice in my notes here, I have stopped calling these the reforms of Vatican II. They're not the reforms of Vatican II. No. I always refer to them as post-conciliar reforms. Yeah, because Vatican II... To, to create that sense of division between the council and the reforms that happened afterwards. Yeah. Because there's no continuity there. You know, I would also point out that it says the rediscovery, uh, we owe it... To the council, I don't know why we owe anyone any a council something, yeah, I, but whatever you can call it that. Uh, we owe it the council a rediscovery of a theological understanding of the liturgy. I just don't agree with that. Why, why do we? Why do we even think? Why does he think that there was a rediscovery of anything? Yeah, or that it was like needed. Like the church stopped being aware of what the Mass was? Does he not read anything before Vatican II? Didn't he know they already knew all this crap? Yeah, that's, I mean, go read, go read any good catechism from, you Council know, the early Trent. 1900s or something. And you can keep reading and go back further and further. You can go back to, uh, Thomas Aquinas. You could go back to St. Augustine. We all understood this. It doesn't need to be rediscovered. Yeah, this, this was, there was nothing, there was nothing rediscovered after Vatican II or at Vatican II or shortly before Vatican II that wasn't already in the mind and heart of the church as part of the existing mass in the centuries leading up to the 20th century. It was, it was there all along. It just, it, 
I guess you could say it wasn't discovered because we stopped talking about it for some reason. Uh, you want rediscovery? Pick up the old documents. Uh, yeah. I think just- instead of rediscovery, he would have done well to use the word restore. But wait a minute. He doesn't like restoration. Oh, he's against restoring. So, uh, wait a minute. But doesn't let's, that sound a lot it- like rediscovering? <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna start instead of restorationists. We're gonna be rediscoverers of the yeah, TLM. We're we want we just we're, want to rediscover. That's it. We're rediscovering the TLM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he says, now with this letter, I simply want to invite the whole church to here we go again rediscover or restore rediscover. to safeguard and to live the truth and power of the Christian celebration. I want the beauty of the Christian celebration and its necessary consequences for the life of the church not to be spoiled by a superficial and foreshortened understanding of its value, or worse yet, by its being exploited in the service of some ideological vision, no matter what the hue. The priestly prayer of Jesus at the Last Supper, that all may be one, judges every one of our divisions around the bread broken, around the sacrament of mercy, the sign of unity, the bond of charity. Well. Doesn't that, like, isn't that, like, in one paragraph, a really compelling argument for the TLM? That sounds exactly like a argument for the TLM. I mean, what else is there? <laughs> what have yeah. we had since the Novus Ordo? We've had nothing but nonsense. Is it possible that he's trying to pretend that aside from eliminating uh, real Catholics, he's also trying to get these crazy priests who put on these crazy shows to knock it off? Is that maybe what he's doing? I I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm trying to imagine... Here's the thing. Given what the what the Novus Ordo is, and I've been to plenty of Novus Ordos done in Latin. Okay, that's that's I I know exactly what the Novus Ordo prescribed is. Although I don't think he thinks that the Novus Ordo should even be done in Latin. But given yeah. what the Novus Novus Ordo actually is and how it works and how it's put together, it's really hard. And then reading that paragraph, it's hard for me to get a picture. Of what a good mass looks like to Pope Francis, what his, in his brain a good mass, you know, how it goes. Yeah, it, I, I can't even get a, a lock on what he thinks a good mass is. We've got uh, videos of this, of these, especially in Cupich's uh, diocese, uh, these these really oh my bizarre yeah. things that they're calling a mass. I don't even know what they are. It's not a mass. There might be a Eucharistic uh, prayer there, but it's not a in mass. Fact, if he does, it would be it would be horrible to attend some of these things, and probably sinful to attend them because if they're doing the Eucharistic prayer and confecting the Holy Eucharist in the real presence, then everything around it makes a mockery of that. It's almost like a satanic yeah. black mass. Yeah, it's blasphemy. The, the way some of this stuff is do, is being handled. I also want to point out that once again. He misquotes scripture, or at least miss. Oh, which part at uh, uh, John 17, John seventeen twenty one? Now, 
he does one of those classic Protestant things where he takes just yeah. that. But if you read the verse before that, he says, And not for them only do I pray, but for them also who through their word shall believe in me, that they all may be one. That they may be one. Yeah. So, in other words, the believers. Only the he, believers, not all. Just the believers. The succession of, uh, you know, it's when God created the human race, he put Adam and Eve and he willed that humanity be a generative race, that we generate from each other generation to generation. That's how he wanted us to be. When he came, you know, and of course, Adam and Eve sinned, we fell away, and then he came to start to establish a new generational race and he's referring to it right here generation by generation they who through their word would come to believe in me that's the new cycle of generation for the new humanity in christ the church but that is clearly separated out from the rest of humanity yeah yeah we go on to in paragraph 17 I wanted to point out that he's pinpointing Gnosticism and Neo-Pelagianism mm-hmm. as he he talks about them as if they're like a serious problem in the church. And I just don't know why he's saying that. Is I again I think it's like, oh, here's an easy argument against Gnosticism, you know? I can act like yeah. my idiotic ideas are really just a battle against this Gnosticism, which exists everywhere in the church, even though it doesn't exist in the church really a whole lot. Um, I, I mean, these are not these are non-issues. I don't know why he brings them up at all. Well, okay, here's the thing, though. Here's here's I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Okay. Because well, go ahead and read the quote, and and then I'll explain why I think he may be onto something in a way that he has no idea that he's onto. Oh, okay. So all right. So, are you back yet? I'm almost back. All right. So, no, okay. he just says, um, uh, he talks about, uh, in one of his other documents, he pinpointed Gnosticism and Geopelagianism as two versions connected between themselves that feed this spiritual worldliness. Uh, then he says, oh, wait a minute, this is part of 17, isn't it? Okay. Yes. It's all okay. part of... The first shrinks the first shrinks Christian faith into a subjectivism that ultimately keeps one imprisoned in his or her own thoughts and feelings. The second cancels out the role of grace and leads itself to a narcissistic and authoritarian elitism, whereby instead of evangelizing, one analyzes and classifies others. And instead of opening the door to grace, one exhausts his or her energies in expect, inspecting and verifying. I know what he's trying to say there. I know, but but here's the thing. So I, I I'm not sure that like this imprisoned in his or her own thoughts and feelings. I'm not sure that that's what Gnosticism really is. But if you think of Gnosticism as this sort of privileged knowledge way that that the original Gnostics kind of had. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see the connection there. But yeah. if you ignore the labels, Gnosticism and Neo-Pelagianism, okay. and instead focus on his descriptions okay. of these two movements within the church, it's like you know what? 
those are very real problems in the church today. And even though he thinks he's describing one thing, what he's actually describing is what's going on at all the Novi parishes. He's describing Novus Orderism. Yeah, that's exactly Novus Orderism. Um, two sides of the same coin. On the one hand, you've got the disintegration of the celebration of the what's supposed to be the one mass, which he makes a beautiful argument for that earlier, into innumerable uh, splinters of style and form. Uh, priests, music directors, parish councils, and other people all use the mass for their like personal playground, yeah, their, their own vehicles for yeah. self-expression and performance and that kind of stuff. But there's also an elitism. So there's those that uh, who are using the mass for their their self-expression, and they have this elitist view that that this. That their self-expression and music directors, I think, are especially bad about this. Yeah. That, that joining in their music is the only valid way, the only legitimate way to participate in mass. Yeah. That's the elitism. Yeah. Everybody's If seeing, you want to say a rosary during mass, that's that doesn't count. You gotta say all that's the words. The elitism. Know all the little things. Yeah. And, yeah. What is really people, oh, if we can't get people to walk up and and read, you know, the the uh, readings. If the priest has to read the readings, we're not participating enough. Yeah, you know that's the elitism. Do the my way is responsorial the responsorial song. And and everybody yeah, the responsorial. Yeah. Um, here's Every, the thing. Everybody has to do it. What he what he's really he, what he's trying to do here is talk about us uh, TLMers who maybe criticize the way priests say mass because they do it wrong and. We were too, we're analyzing too much. And it's like, well, you know, that's what he's trying to get at there, I think. I know, but it's funny because it, he does it, that very same analysis yeah, later in the Yeah, he does too. Letter. I know. It's like, well, it's dumb. Okay. <laughs> so you, are you joining us Neo Pelagianisms? Yeah. Or Neo Pelagians? Or are we the Gnostics? I don't even know. <laughs> I think yeah. you just gets them wrong. Um, like I said, ignore the labels and focus on his descriptions because those are real problems in the Novus Ordo world. Um, these disordered forms of Christianity, again, he's saying that these are forms of Christianity that exist can have disastrous consequences for the life of the church. I guess so, but the cool thing is that it's God's church. Uh, so if it weren't God's church, um, the Novus Order would have taken over and we wouldn't have the TLM, but uh, they've been... Uh, they've. And you know what? They've been I, saved okay, you've referred for to us. Some of the, the stupid stuff that goes on in Chicago, for example. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are other venues or, uh, you know, diocese, uh, jurisdictions where that kind of stuff happens too. But the same impulse, the same Holy Spirit led impulse that has, um, sort of revitalized interest in the TLM. And, and I don't think it's entirely Holy Spirit led. I think there's a natural inclination to it too, which we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, maybe in a little bit, but I think that same impulse is what has called us back from the brink of complete lunacy that developed in the say mid seventies to mid eighties with, with the, the big popularity of things like clown masses and, 
yeah. and liturgical dancing and that kind of stuff. Um, that's where it would have gone if this was not God's church. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, just as those sects who have dropped, who have uh, chopped themselves off from God's church have turned to all Many kinds of, of terrible things. That Either that way yeah. or other ways, but they've all gone astray. A lot. Supporting gays, um, abortion, you know, women in the, in the, uh, yeah, abortion, women in the priesthood, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And it's why some people leave those churches and end up Catholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. By the way, I was thinking we would cut off at after chapter 20 because there's a new thing there. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Right. That, okay. That makes sense. So we'll get the, we'll do 20. And then we'll table it for the next yeah. time. Uh, number 18. From what I have recalled above, it is clear that liturgy is, by its very nature, the most effective antidote against these poisons. I don't think he did uh, make that clear, but whatever. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> I am speaking of the liturgy in its theological sense, and certainly not, as Pope Pius XII already affirmed, liturgy as decorative ceremonies or a mere sum total of laws and precepts that govern the cult. That That's a weird, um, <laughs> kind of a weird couple of sentences, but what I... The way I see it, I mean, if you take that on its face value, this is saying that, that if properly restored, the liturgy has the power to unsplinter the church's expression of herself as the body of Christ. The, the liturgy um, is the thing that can manifest for the church what it really is. It can restore the cult of Christ. You know, we, we have, I think, in the Novus Ordo, this cult of personality. The priest, the, the music director, the yeah. band, you know, whatever, that dominates. Yeah. But if we restore the liturgy, that's what has the power to bring this cult of Christ back to the center where it belongs. Yeah. Uh, it It's exactly what's needed. It's... It, it shows us where and, and we I, need to be. I think the, the, the point here that he's underscoring and that I agree with is how important the liturgy is, how important the mass is and the form that the mass takes is Yeah. in the life of the church and in the church's even own understanding of herself and, and, and helping people understand who they are as part of a church. Yeah. Um, in paragraph 19... He says, if Gnosticism intoxicates us with the poison of subjectivism, I don't know if those two are, I don't know if that's right. I don't think of Gnosticism as a subjectivism thing, because Gnosticism no. is like this this belief that, that you have this hidden knowledge that you get to be initiated into. Yeah. I, I guess a in, in a of... sense, if it's like, if it's like, well... We're not going to teach you the knowledge. You have to be initiated in, and then you'll get the knowledge yourself through this, this I don't know, special process or encounter. Then, then what are you left with but your own subjectivism in terms of evaluating that? So maybe I, I don't know, but that's yeah. ne never that's never been how I've understood Gnosticism. Right. That's why I think he's he's like 
he misunderstands he's just some kind of things and he's just writing words here. Yeah. This is this is more verbal verbal vomit stuff. Yeah. Uh, the action of the celebration does not belong to the individual, but to the Christ Church, to the totality of the faithful united in Christ. The liturgy does not say I, but we, and any lim- any limitation on the breath of this we is always demonic. <clears throat> okay. Kind of. I'm gonna like seize on that because that's that is his own con- condemnation of the new mass. And and why the suppression of the traditional mass is demonic, yeah, because it limits the breadth of the we. It says the we of the past, the we of all those saints from the age of martyrs, the patristics, and then through the Middle Ages and and the age of scholasticism, and all of these saints who have given us this this vast immense treasure of uh catholic wisdom and now are in heaven with god praying for us um we're saying that you no longer get to be part of we yeah not just that they gave it to us but that is very clearly and the more you look into it the more clear it is reflected in all the little things that they ridicule in the TLM. All the movements, yeah. all the bows, all the signs of the cross, and and all the, the wording. The thrice repetition of things. You know, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, and so forth. It's all... It's all there, and and then it's just ignored, and it's like, well, it's not what you guys do anymore. It's what we're going to do, and... Uh, yeah, so we're we're cutting you off. You're no longer we. We're not going to do it with you. It's just going to be the smaller we. We're going to limit the breadth of the we. To me, this this and this I- identity with this. I, I mean, this is like it's chilling almost that he puts it in this way. Limiting the breadth of this we is always demonic. It's like, well, wow. That's exactly what happened in the post-conciliar reform. They limited the breadth of the we. Yeah. In the mass. That's what they did. And it's, it's just, we, we see the and results. It was of demonic. It. Yeah. We know the results. That's the weird thing about this. Lack of faith in the Eucharist. We see it. It's Lack everywhere. Of attendance. How can he still argue for these things when we already know the results? You can't say this yeah, that, is going to do this. It's we already know. Jesus said, "You know, you know a tree by its fruits." We know what the fruits of the Novus Ordo are. Mm-hmm. Finally, we get to paragraph twenty. Participating in the Eucharist, uh, Eucharistic sacrifice is not our own achievement, as if because of it we could boast before God or before our brothers and sisters. The beginning of every celebration reminds me who I am asking me to confess my sin and inviting me to implore the Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin, the angels and saints, and all my brothers and sisters to pray for me to the Lord our God. Certainly we are not worthy to enter his house. We need a word of his to be saved. We have no other boast but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound like he's like explaining why we have the prayers at the foot of the altar yeah. and then the penitential rite? Sure does. Before it, we do the Gloria? 
he put a lot of he put a lot into this and suddenly he started saying I instead of we or they, you know, as if he's talking about himself. And I just wanted to point out that and he's acting like oh, this is fighting some movement within the church to act as though uh, the Eucharist is our achievement, which it, there's no movement within the church to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, even outside the Catholic Church, I, I have never heard a preacher not say, oh, it's not me, it's God. You know, everything is, nothing's right, me. Right, I do right. nothing That's on like my a own. Standard. It, it's more, uh, it's more stuff that I think he may have put in there. Cause it's like, yeah, everybody says that. So what? Why are you, what's your argument here? Even though it's, it's well, true. Yeah. I mean, it's true, but it's like, that's why we have the prayers at the foot of the altar. Yeah. And that's exactly I mean, what happens about there. Before entering into the celebration. Yeah, we don't even start the Mass. We're just praying to get the right disposition of mind to receive the gift we're about to uh, receive. And and it all happens in those words that they took away from us. Huh. And they took out, you know, the, in the uh, in the Confidior, they, they changed that. to. Of course, they took St. Michael the Archangel out, and they took mm-hmm. out uh, the names of uh, a lot of saints couple of the the saints and apostles yeah it's like i don't know it (laughs) when you when you read some of these uh writings of the pope and then consider the mass as it was and as it is now you know I'll, i'll go back to what i said in an earlier um paragraph it's hard not to think of the new mass as this like vandalization it's a mockery. I think I lost him. I think I lost Danny here. I'll call him back. Now it said, please leave your message. Here he is. He's calling back. Hey, did I lose you? Yeah. Oh. I, I I pushed one of my um, You're always touching earbuds your ears. back in. <laughs> I, I, it was falling out. <laughs> okay. Well, we are at uh, paragraph... 21 and we've been talking for an hour and a half so i figure that'd be a good time to yeah. put off until our next good time to break we'll pick it up next time talk yeah. about some news we'll talk about news uh there's a lot of news all right this was a fix my microphone here this was a serious week um now okay there's this one I, I'm, something happened back in on may 27th at two 2022. This isn't a big deal in America, but it just kind of, uh, I think it, it's, it's something that ought to, uh, be known. Is that in May, uh, there was a woman named, uh, Nupur Sharma. She was a spokeswoman of India's ruling party. And I guess basically she is Hindu. And she had some kind of debate, public debate, with an Islam. Uh, leader and um in that debate in this public debate in a public setting she made some kind of remark about the prophet muhammad the fact that uh one of his wives was six years old when they got married 
and then nine years old when the marriage was consummated. In other words, this prophet Muhammad had sex with a nine-year-old. Now, I don't care what area you're from or what, uh, what culture you're in. That's wrong. That's gross. And it's disgusting. And she, I don't think she said all that. I'm saying that. She just mentioned the fact that, you know, he had sex with a nine-year-old. And it started all these protests. And on June 29th, uh, there was kind of a, a riot over this. And a Hindu man was murdered and beheaded in his shop by two Islamic extremists for supporting those remarks. Or at least that's what they said. So that, I mean, this happened in India. It's just, it's telling of Islamics. It it tells you most of what you need to know about these people. And so I'm just pointing that out, this weird, weird thing in India that, again, I mean, the Hindus and the Islams are... are and the Muslims are, are fighting over there. They've been fighting for a while. I think, didn't they separate the two nations for a while? And Gandhi tried to help with all this stuff, but apparently they're still fighting. And now they're beheading people, because that's how they deal with uh, that's, problems. That's what Muslims and, do. Yeah. Um, the European Council broadly agrees on several measures to combat climate change. Among them is a ban on combustion engines for new cars beginning in 2035. Uh, they're also setting aside a special fund to reduce the cost for transition for the poorest populations. This gets on my nerves more than anything. Why? If they need to set aside money for poor people to help them get through this, why do they think that the poor people will no longer need money once they've gotten through it? As if the prices are going to come down on their own. They won't. They never do. No, they won't. <laughs> they were supposed to, uh, you know, they, they with the whole Tesla thing, they keep telling me how the price of the Tesla is coming down, but it's not. The government's paying all this. These electric yeah, cars like are not affordable. And I don't think they'll ever be affordable. Doesn't lower the price. No, not at all. Um, the combustion engine, look, it's a badass engine. It works, and it's cheap. It's great. It has tons of power. For, for with with a very small amount of fuel comparatively, and there's no reason we should be fighting this. But and we have a good distribution <clears throat> infrastructure in place for fuel. Yeah, it's great, and in a good way to get the fuel. Now, well, I think that you know this uh, more and more. I'm beginning to believe that the whole climate change thing is actually just a overarching. Um, hoax that is there to give people in power the ability to take control of things that they want to take control of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, what the fa- Their justification for is carbon dioxide emissions. It's going to cut carbon dioxide emissions by 55% from the 1990 reference level. Now, think about this for a second. Uh, the ocean produces... I would say, 
I'm trying to do the math quickly in my head here. The ocean alone yeah, it's like produces responsible like 15 what, times more. Yeah, the human activity is responsible for such a tiny percent. And I, I, it's overall, a single digit. Yeah. It's Okay, it's so you're going to take a little chunk of human activity, a tiny chunk of that, and then cut that part in half. So like, what? Why bother? And why put people poor people through that for what is really going to be negligible. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt the environment anyway. Yeah. No, in fact... Carbon dioxide is think, not bad for the environment. I think carbon dioxide is actually good for the environment. It's good for planet Earth. It's good for living things. It's good for plants. Plants need carbon dioxide. It's great for plants. And then plants feed us. Yeah. It's just, just nonsense and... It's it's sad that so many people have been taken in by this. Um, so let's see. We've got the at the Nash at the NATO summit, Biden announces that we're going to be putting a permanent military base in Poland. Um, Poland. Is this is as a result <clears throat> of the Ukraine Russian war? I guess so. And or Poland's government has long. They're saying that Poland's government has long. Uh, requested one of our bases to be there. I, oh okay. I don't know. I mean, and now more so than before, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I just, you know, Poland was kind of our. It was our look to as Catholic people, you know. Yeah. And I'm afraid that Poland is turning like the rest of the world. Uh, their Supreme Court in Poland upheld a lower court ruling that annulled the anti-gay resolutions. So the Supreme Court in Poland has said, no, you cannot have anti-gay laws. So, you know, Poland's changing. They're starting to, yeah, they're starting to slip. Um, They're going the the gay way. (laughs) Yeah. Syria officially confirms its recognition of Luhansk People's Republic and Donetsk People's Republic. These are two, like, kind of breakaway states in uh, southern Ukraine. So these are Mm -hmm. states that have broken away and want to become their own thing away from Ukraine. And Syria is recognizing them. Uh, the authorities of Donetsk People's Republic announced that they will begin carrying out capital punishment in 2025 after three foreign fighters were arrested when they had joined the Ukrainian army. These were foreign fighters uh, from other countries who had come in to get, hey, let me get on this uh, Ukrainian army thing, and they're going to be sentenced to death. So, I I don't know why two British guys would want to go to Ukraine and fight, other than they're, they understand that this is kind of a gang thing, and you can go and make a lot of money or cause a lot of havoc and do a lot of evil things mm-hmm. by joining yeah. the Ukrainian army. I think that's mostly what it is, and I think it's good that these guys are getting put to death. Um, let's see... Four people are killed and three others injured in a jeep carrying uh, immigrants. It 
it crashed into a trailer in Texas somewhere and some people died. I think there was like a there was like a high speed chase in Texas with some uh, illegals and they ended up crashing into a trailer and died. Um, but there are a lot of people that got killed this past week. Two police officers yeah. and a police dog were killed. Six other people injured in a mass shooting in Allen, Kentucky. Actually, I take that back. Wow. Seven, seven police officers all were killed. Um, I guess the officers were attempting to serve a warrant, and he started shooting at them. That's, from what I can tell, that's what happened. Uh, oh. 49-year-old man. Uh, he's been arrested. They have him in custody. Uh Two people were killed and four others injured in a mass shooting in Halton City, Texas. Um, it looks like it looks like there was kind of a, a gunfight that erupted out of something, but the officers tried to get this guy and they ended up getting shot. Uh, he had. They're saying he had a military-style rifle. I don't know what a military. The thing about what rifles, does that mean? rifles are almost entirely uh, functional. That every little piece on there is practical. It's not like there's no design to a rifle other than to function. Yeah. You know, there's no decoration like there is on a handgun. Uh, so I, you know. Military style, it just means that I don't know what that means. Yeah, I mean, but. does that mean the the barrel had cooling vents, or or uh, or does that mean that it had a you know one of those magazines you pop into the bottom? Or yeah, what does it, it mean? Be by military style. That's yeah, that's weird. That's um, like the 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 people talk about assault type rifles. Yeah, assault rifles. And they talk assault. about them as if they know what they are, but there actually What's is a technical rifle? definition of an assault rifle. Which is usually not applicable to what people refer to as assault rifles. Yeah. Uh, three people are killed and four more injured in a mass shooting in a field shopping center in... Oh, this was in Denmark. This wasn't in America. Uh, I think oh, this God. was... I think this is just a crazy guy. And then there's, uh, there's six people killed in Highland Park, Illinois. This... Uh, this is, I don't think this was terrorism. This guy was a Trump hater uh, and an America hater. He was just a crazy, but he had videos and stuff out describing what he was going to do. I mean, there like, was all the warning like in the YouTube world. And stuff? Yeah. Uh, they've all been taken down, but you can see glimpses of them on, on you know, people saved some of them. But YouTube has gotten rid of all of them. But um, Well, why take them down now? Yeah, I know. Let us analyze them and... Well, they don't want you to analyze them. (laughs) But this guy was... uh, He... We've got pictures of him, you know, walking around in women's clothing. I saw a picture of him dressed up as Waldo. Uh, He... Here's the thing. In one of his videos, he talks about a FBI agent. He said... He does something Mm -hmm. like says goodbye to an FBI agent. You know, I got to wonder oh, if some of these people are being pushed by the FBI. I think they by are. By the FBI. Yeah, manipulate. So the FBI finds this kook. Hey, I can get him to do something crazy. 
Maybe I can arrest him beforehand, get credit for that, whatever. Or, uh, I think the FBI is engaged in getting people to mass murder so that they have reasons to take our guns. Oh, yeah. Here's what I'd like to know. Where are all these people getting their guns? It used to be in a mass shooting, they would talk about the guns and they would say where they got them. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. Maybe because they are coming from the FBI. I mean that or that's, FBI enabled channels. Let's say that school shooting. Uh, there's people who say that this guy really he was driving a truck he couldn't afford. He was carrying guns and a load of ammo that he couldn't afford. Where did he get it all? Mm-hmm. And that question hasn't been answered yet. No. Uh, there's also a mass shooting outside a nightclub in Sacramento, California. I think that. I don't think that's really a mass shooting. I think that was just a gunfight and some bystanders got involved and oh, got okay. shot, got killed. So like, like a but gang, a lot of people died. Like yeah, more like a gang you know, or even two guys, but, drug dealer or something like that. But there were several bystanders who were killed. Okay, tragic, but not the same as a mass shooting. Right, but there were a lot of shootings. Uh, this. You may be onto something there that, that that the FBI or other forces in America are trying to encourage these things to kind of create a critical mass of sympathy for, yeah. say, getting rid of the Second Amendment or something. I think that's happening. So at the Columbus Zoo, they're saying that one of their tigers died from COVID-19. Can cats get COVID-19? I didn't know they could. But I, I just I kind of question this. I don't know. I didn't know any animal could get COVID nineteen other than bats. But <laughs> they're saying this bats. cat got it. An Amur 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 tiger A M U R tiger at the Columbus Zoo. Huh. Well, Columbus Zoo and aquarium. I guess they combine there. Uh, in a six three decision, the Supreme Court rules that the EPA does not have. The power that never got legislatively the power uh, under the Clean Air Act to introduce regulations on carbon dioxide emissions from power plants. And they cannot compel them to change the resources from which they generate power. We're seeing a lot of good stuff out of this court. (laughs) Yeah. I was not happy with the court at first, but uh, the last two... uh, Big judgments there are major uh, game changers. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, five people killed in a, let's see, 6.1 magnitude earthquake in Iran. Wow. The Chinese company BYD Auto becomes the world's largest electronic vehicle producer uh, if you're counting by number of vehicles sold. After, um, if you're counting by number of vehicles sold. Uh, they, they're overtaking Tesla then, but how, how do we know oh. where are they selling them? I've never seen one. Are they only yeah, selling I've them? To, I mean, if I mean maybe if, they're selling them in China or something though. Yeah, but if a Chinese man has an electric car like that, it's kind of more or less just issued to him, isn't it? I mean, Chinese people don't own things the way we do, or maybe they're allowed to. I don't know, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, it's not the same. I mean, I, I know there are sales in China because, I mean, working at, at like Harman, um, 
we would work with car manufacturers. I mean, we, we manufacture the radios, but we'd work with car manufacturers who have sales in China. And it's a, it's a whole different ball game. It's like when we make the radios, we have, oh, these are the radios we make for China. These are the radios we make for the rest of the world. And the reason is because if you want to sell something in China that has any kind of encryption on it um, or, you know, security protection, you have to hand the keys over to the government. So yeah. we, we create a separate set of radios that are just for China so we can hand those keys over to them. But I know that there are things get sold in China. There is a marketplace okay. for things. Okay. Well, I still don't trust anything they say, so <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to okay. consider them the, the, the largest vehicle producer. But it doesn't matter because even the ones we're producing are being paid for by the government. And by yeah. rich, idiotic yeah. snobs who <clears throat> think they're helping the rivers by driving an electric car, morons. As if, as if the electricity is just sucked out of the air. We capture lightning. That's how we make electricity. We don't use fossil fuels. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, that's all the news I got. All right. Well, I've got some nonsense, but here's the, the thing. I, I'm not going to be able to send it to you right now. I was, um, so, uh, you know, sometimes I read this stuff and I think like, you know, how George Orwell's animal farm where the animals take over the farm and kick the farmer out and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, when animals start helping each other, I start thinking about that. So we've got a story in Louisiana where a kangaroo uh, broke out of its cage, but only because there was a parrot there who knew how to open the door for it. Oh, wow. So the parrot opened the door <laughs> yeah. and the kangaroo got out. What did the kangaroo do? Did it run away? Where was this? This is in Louisiana. Okay. I never did get your email, by the way. Um, uh, did you know that at the Cincinnati Zoo... You can go through a trail where the kangaroos are kind of hopping around you, and they're not separated from you. Oh, cool! I, I mean, I, I thought kangaroos were kind of dangerous, though. I guess maybe they're the smaller ones. I don't know. I've never huh. been. Uh, Ronnie had been there and told me about it, but you can walk through this little trail, and there's you just see kangaroos jumping. You around. See these kangaroos, huh? <laughs> That would be kind of neat. But I don't think you're allowed to pet them. Remember the old zoo like where the... you could you could hold a peanut out and an animal would come and take it from your hand? How oh, yeah, the elephants was. and the so uh, the, gira- the giraffes, they With had the that like, long super tongue. long tongue. Yeah. And they had the way of like curling the end and people would like stack their peanuts on it and then they would lift their heads up and swallow them all at once. I guess... It was so cool. I, you know, I, I have to wonder, like... Kids must have just changed in character between when we were kids and now because I heard that they stopped doing that because people were putting stupid stuff out for the elephants and the giraffes. I guess I could see that being a problem, and so you would have to limit everyone. It just sucks. Yeah. Like how, how you could, used to be able to go to the machines and, and, and buy peanuts. Yeah, that's right. You had a little machine. And you remember that? You feed the, yeah. the uh, ostrich and you could see the peanut go down its throat. <laughs> yeah. Because it swallowed it. That was so That's cool. Right. 
throw a stake to yeah, the Yeah, it's too bad you can't do that stuff anymore. But, you know, there's also, do you remember, I, I don't know when they got rid of this, but you remember at King's Island, they used to have a safari train ride you could go on. Uh, yeah. And it went through different parts of the park that was kind of like a exotic zoo. And the thing that I remember is that they had a live rhinoceros. Yeah, they did. This is not at the zoo, but the King's Island. Is that what you're talking That's about? That's kind of... What's that? This is not the zoo. This is King's Island, right? right? King's Island. Yeah, yeah. King's Island had a safari train ride, and they had these, like, rhinoceros and stuff that, that they had. I, I don't know when they got rid of that. Um, okay. I mean, as a kid, seeing the rhinoceros was cool enough, because I thought of it as this really dangerous animal. Vicky um, told me something. But if that was like the highlight, I could see why, you know, over time it kind of became a money loser. Uh, Vicky told me something one time that I don't know how much is true about why that ended. Um, the train got stuck and a lion attacked someone. Oh, okay. So they did have other exotic animals there too. That That would be yeah. a bad one. But you know why would that be any worse than like somebody dying on one of the roller coasters? I don't know. I guess, but somebody got off the train, and and the engineer. Oh, okay. oh, the engineer went out to fix it and got attacked by the lion. And he got attacked by a lion. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's kind of tragic. It, it was a cool thing when they had it. Yeah, well, I do remember. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right. I, um. Yeah. Next, we've got. <laughs> This is just kind of one of those funny things. Um, in Rhode Island, they had a Dunkin' Donuts um, that... It's 30th anniversary. They wanted to offer free copy for a year to the first 100 people that showed up. Uh, but they only wanted it to be in the... Um, you know, the residence of the place. And okay, the so name of the place it. is White Plains, New York. Well, somebody, you know, they, they had the, the, the right ad copy, and then somebody copied and pasted the ad copy, but somehow they didn't copy the word planes. And so they went out with an ad offering coffee to white, white New Cranston, York. Rhode Island residents. Wow. That would <laughs> stink for Dunkin' Donuts. That reminds me of that... Uh, <laughs> that office where where he's taking uh, complaints from the staff and uh, what's his name? Creed says, I want to know why the bathroom's only for white men or white people. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? And, he says, and they look at the door. There's a picture of a, a white outline of a man on the door. <laughs> 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 Only for white people. For white men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's that's <laughs> white men only. It's like white men only. Yeah. White men and white women. Where's the black bathroom? <laughs> if I were a black guy, you know, you know, I would do that all the time. I would go into a place and say, "Excuse me, where's your black be, bathroom? Yeah, where, where, where's, <laughs> where's the black, your black bathroom?" bathroom? <laughs> Just to watch everybody's expression. 
I'd be like, I'd have like a hidden camera. Yeah. <laughs> Uploading the videos to YouTube and stuff. Well, you funny. know, that's like our cousin uh, Kelly Callahan uh, worked at Gold Star. Um, I don't even know if that Gold Star is still there, but up up on uh, by Glen Cross or uh, not not Glen Crossing, I guess. Um, shoot, by the 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 shopping center, the Western Hills Shopping Center. Okay, yeah, that Gold and Star, yeah, as you know how you know you have these these promotional things. You've got like. Like people put out these these uh, I don't know what you call them but but like these long tube men who with the the blowers and stuff oh, like that. Well, one of the yeah. things they had was one of these big gorillas, you know the the inflated gorilla that you tie down. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this black woman called her up. I mean, she happened to be the one who had to answer the phone. This black yeah. woman called and was complaining about the fact that they had a black gorilla. So why don't you ever have a white gorilla? Well, she's like, well, "Lady, have you ever seen a white gorilla?" <laughs> I'd like to see one of them. I know. <laughs> anyway, so when you do your ad copy, be be careful. You might end up, you know, just just offering to black or white, yeah. you know, people, whatever. <laughs> All right, uh, next one. I'm not sure what to say to this, but a woman who is sentenced to prison forged medical documents saying that she had cancer in order to avoid going to prison. Huh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's like, well, okay. Uh, you know, of course, this is in, in California. I mean, yeah, it was one of those white colleges. You know, 38-year-old woman um, sentenced for embezzlement. And oh, she claimed okay. that a biopsy revealed cancerous cells in her uterus, and she was undergoing okay. a surgical procedure. And so she's, you know, she needs to avoid going to prison for this. Um, I don't know how it works, but I do know that uh, cancer patients will be let out of prison on parole mm-hmm. earlier. I don't think it's by design. I have a feeling there's some kind of payoff involved, but I know cancer patients who got out way earlier than they should have gotten out. Well, she I, went in way later than she w- should have gone in. Is oh, so it was, it was the opposite. Out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's it's kind of at the front end. She was... Okay. I, I don't know whether she thought she was going to keep it up the whole time or she was just trying to buy herself a little bit of extra time on the outside or what. Eventually, um, you got to die or something. Yeah. Or you're either cured or you're dead. With cancer. And I, the <laughs> FBI special agent in charge says, This defendant went to appalling lengths to avoid her initial prison sentence by falsifying medical documents to claim she had cancer. This offensive conduct is an affront to every person fighting that battle. Okay, well, here's okay. the thing. I don't think it's all I don't that know. appalling. I, <laughs> I, I don't think it's all... It's like... I don't really if care If there's a chance much. of keeping out of prison... And you're already a criminal. Why wouldn't yeah. you roll the dice? Yeah, it's not like she beat someone up or something. She just faked some information. Who cares? Yeah, appalling. I she don't know. she for, had a uh, she forged a letter from from a uh, oncologist that said a year in prison would be a death sentence for my patient. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would do that if I'm already going to prison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Okay, the 
if you're that's my point. If you're already a criminal, then yeah, what's, by definition, that's not a stretch. Why would you be surprised at this? You know. But I do know anyway. someone who was let out of jail uh, and claiming cancer and, or for cancer no, because. And, in all appearance, it was because he had cancer and the state didn't want that extra. We don't want to take care of you your last five years, you know, of dealing with this. So They let him out to avoid paying for the cancer treatment? Yeah, that's what it is. Wow. That's, okay, I, there's no, again, that's not what anyone's saying it is. That's what me, that's mm-hmm. what I think happened. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, though. Yeah, because otherwise they have to care for him. Yeah. You know? And it's expensive. All right. So, I don't know about you, but I always like watching bears just do stuff. Yeah. There's something about them. There's there's a there's a intelligence mixed with an almost human playfulness about them. Well, anyway, this this last one is just Until a bear that mad. got his head stuck in a plastic bottle. Oh, okay. How? Like a <laughs> yeah, like how a Cheetos joke? I mean, they've got a so, picture of I mean, it. Huh. <laughs> I, I don't you, know. Maybe he thought there was some honey in it or something. Have you ever heard of... I'll dag on it. Let me see if I can find it here. This is going to kill me because I'm talking about it. And um, there is a uh, AI machine that went yeah. through billions of pictures and... In order to learn how to draw. And then you can go to this machine and you can put in a word like a bear. And it will draw a bear for you. Okay. And then you can add other things. For example, what I asked it was a bear robbing a convenience store. And it gave me pictures (laughs) of a bear walking around a convenience store. Uh, I also... We tried... um, Gay Bigfoot. It had a couple Bigfoots, uh, Sasquatches holding hands. Um, oh, you got to be kidding me! People do all kinds of crazy things with this to see what it's going to draw. And oh my gosh, I can't think of the, what it's called now. Okay, I'm going to add this to our. I think that's the same thing my son was showing me. Probably. It's like you put in a phrase, and it has an AI way of creating a picture from that. Yes. Yeah, I'll have to play and with I that can't a think of what it, it's it. fun. It's fun to play with. Um, I'm going to so that we don't forget. I'm going to make sure that we mention it next week, and I'll be able to send you to a website where you can do this. <laughs> okay. It's it's a neat thing. And one of the things, one of the first things I entered was a bear robbing a convenience store. It just had a bear walking around. Like taking things from a shelf in a convenience store, <laughs> but it, it didn't look. But it's like a, a drawing. Fake bear. It, it was, doesn't. It doesn't go out it and looks search real. for photographs. It's a drawing. Well, I don't or a know. concoction. It, I mean, it 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 looks it creates real. the picture. Yes, it creates the picture. Okay, <laughs> and maybe adds wow. pieces of other pictures. I'm not sure. Yeah, it might I don't be, know how but it it, it's not like it doesn't just search the internet for a picture that it thinks is appropriate. Correct. It tries to make the picture. It's really neat. It's a fun thing to play with, but if you get you can get hooked on it and spend like hours doing nothing but that and then it's like, okay, I just wasted a whole day here. So, but I will give you a website 
next week. Cool. Uh, maybe I'll even uh, play with it. Maybe we can post a couple of yeah, we'll put our some favorites cool on, on the it. website yeah. or something. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all I got. All right. Well, uh, we did pretty good time this this time. Yeah, two hours. Less than two and a half hours. Yeah. And we are going... We're going to keep on this document until we're all the way through. Because... You know, I have a feeling it's going to be three shows. Yeah, we, we did twenty probably. paragraphs. There's, there's a little, there's a little more than sixty paragraphs. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it'll probably be three shows, but um, I, I think it's worth it just to pick out a part, one of these Francis documents, because we always just skim yeah. them, and it's like you have no idea how schizophrenic this guy is. You know? <laughs> I know. Are all I'm the documents this like this? It's like, wow, you, it, it's exactly like we started the show with. You know, yeah. list all the things that are bad about Walmart and then say, and therefore you should shop at Walmart. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about what we got here. Well, anyway, think about what we said, and as always, circle the beads. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Oh,